Welcome to another powerful word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church in the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight, welcome again to our continuing Christmas story. That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. The continuing Christmas story. Because Christmas continues. It's not just one story in the Bible. It's not just one week of the year or one day of the year. It's something all year long, every day, every week. It's something in every season that we celebrate. And so the continuing Christmas story is going to bring some, uh, some things for us tonight to think about. You know, this past Sunday... If you were here on campus or perhaps if you were joining us online, this past Sunday we discussed God's plan for mankind. And we talked about how amazing it was that God entrusted His single plan of salvation to a young, unproven girl from the town of Nazareth. Can you imagine, you know, God, I mean, he entrusted, he only had one plan. He didn't have plan B, plan C, plan D. He had one plan. He had one pursuit. And he, you know, he trusted and entrusted this plan, his son Jesus. He entrusted this plan to this young, unproven girl. And we talked about how that once Mary said yes, once Mary offered her life to God, once Mary said, okay, I'm going to trust you. Once Mary said, you know, be it unto me, basically, you know, according to your will, you know, uh, let your word, you know, you know, okay. Once Mary offered her life and her future to God, and God didn't hold back, God fully committed himself to her. And God fully committed the plan into her keeping that's amazing mary and god became partners in a plan to save mankind and you know ever since that day god has been finding more partners he's been finding other people that he could encourage to partner with him in the plan of salvation for others you know some of you have been a major part in seeing someone else come to Christ. Some of you have taken Jesus to your neighborhood or to, you know, your community, your school or your workplace. Some of you have taken Jesus even, you know, to other places around the world. Some of you have gone on mission trips without ever leaving your home. You know, you've, you've uh, sent your money or, or sent your support, you know, or your prayers. And you have reached out and partnered with God to bring Jesus to a lost and a hurting world. That's what God was looking for whenever he found Mary, someone to partner with him. And even though Mary did not know everything, she did not have all of the details. In fact, we understand that, that you know, uh, she did not understand what you know, God was going to do and how this was going to happen. And, and, and she saw the impossibilities of this. And as well, Joseph, the man that God chose to be an earthly representation of a father to provide for, to protect, to care for, to lead the family. You know, God chose Joseph and he asked him 
to partner with me. Partner with me in helping to protect, to defend, to provide for my son. Joseph didn't have the answers any more than Mary did. And nonetheless, the Christmas account in this continuing Christmas story only gives a few details of how God interacted with Mary and Joseph. And there are more things we don't know and more things they did not know than the things that they did know. And it seems that they were you know, not given every answer in a way that they could fully understand it. It looks like right now, looking back at Mary and Joseph, that they were just two superheroes you know, with some superpower called faith. But they weren't. They were just common, ordinary, everyday people. People just like you. People just like you. And they were offered this chance to trust God in ways that they could not explain, in things they could not understand, in future events that would happen that they could not control, and some of them that they did not like and did not want. And, and you know, I mean, uh, can you imagine what it must have been like 33 and a half years after that, whenever Mary listened in Jerusalem to her son, the son she had with God, son of God and son of man. Can you imagine what it must have been like in Mary's world to have seen her son arrested, falsely accused, sentenced, beaten? Imagine her on that Passover when everyone else was listening to the Roman soldiers as they scourged Jesus with a cat of nine tails, ripping flesh from his body, one stripe, two stripes, three times. They hit him four times, five times, six times, seven times, eight times, nine times, ten times. Can you imagine Mary there in Jerusalem saying, Oh God, this is wrong, this is unreasonable, this is senseless. Lord, I cannot imagine, Lord, no, this, uh, what good is, oh, enough, enough, God. 11 times, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. The Bible says he was beaten beyond recognition. He was so marred, his visage, the Bible says, was so marred that when people looked at him, people who knew him, they did not recognize him. 18, 19, 20 times, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. Where does it stop? Oh, God, our son. God, 26, 27, 28, 29. How long, God? 30, 31, 32, 33. Oh, God. Things that she could not understand. Things that she could not comprehend. Things that his followers and his supporters and those who loved him and cared about him could not imagine such brutality on this man who did nothing but love and care and give and heal and feed. Who calmed the storms and saved others from certain death, execution at the hands of judgmental, self-righteous, religious men and women but yet even though 
Mary did not understand, even though you know, his brothers and sisters could not imagine, even though the family was devastated, yet looking back on it now for 2,000 years, we can see it was the most beautiful thing that God ever allowed. The most amazing thing we cannot understand, and this is what we talked about on Sunday, how could God ask Joseph, how could God ask Mary to step outside the envelope of something that was going to bring, you know, disrepute to her? Something that was going to bring such trouble and chaos and perhaps division in the family. We don't know the details, but we do know that they were not given every answer. They could not begin to understand But nonetheless, they were both encouraged to trust God. Sometimes we have to trust Him for things that we cannot understand, things that we do not know. And on Sunday, we concluded that our future cannot rest on all the things we do not understand, but rather on the one thing we do understand. That's what we talked about Sunday morning, do you remember? That was one, you know, our, our, our greatest conclusion is that, that, that you know, our future, your future, my future, it cannot rest on all of the things that we do not understand but rather on the one thing that we do understand. What do we understand? The same that Mary and Joseph understood. And that is we can trust God with our future. We may not know how and we may not you know, even see the possibilities of it all. We may not understand and it may hurt, but believe me when I tell you, that we can trust God with our future. We must not allow the things that we do not know to overshadow the things that we do know. Like it or not, we live in a world that is in trouble and chaos and filled with sin. We live in a world and we live under a world system that does not acknowledge God, that does not follow God and does not obey God. We live in a world that is filled with sin. We live in a world that is dark. We live in a world that... Our leaders often strive only to gain more power. So many men and women are looking to what the world can give them without any consideration of how temporary this world is, without any consideration to how empty this world is. It is empty. There is no future on planet Earth. That's not meant to depress the born-again believer, because we have a future that is out of this world. But many people look only to this world for their gain, for their security, for their hope. The Bible says if we have hope in this life only, then we will become most miserable. The treasures that this world provides and promises are empty treasures. This is the part of the continuing Christmas story. The reason that God sent His Son was to offer us better promises, promises that would last forever, not the empty promises of this world that cannot satisfy. Many men and women spend a lifetime denying the vulnerability into which they were born. They believe they can get along without God. And they deny just how empty their life is. 
They denied just how chaotic their life is. They go around trying to fool themselves. The book of Romans in the first chapter tells us that, that, that any person that says there is no God, they are lying to themselves. They are deceiving themselves. themselves because you know, they, they are just trying to hide the fact that on the inside they hurt. On the inside they're empty. On the inside they're lost. On the inside they don't know where they're going. On the inside they do not know the next step and they cannot control what happens to them. And they know they do not know anyone who can control their future. But once you have met Jesus Christ and made him the Lord and Savior of your life, you have met someone that holds your future in his hands. And you are secure. This world cannot afford you anything beyond this life. Jesus can. And not only that, but he walks every step with us when we are walking through this world of trouble. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble because this world is filled with trouble. My goodness, they crucified my Lord and Savior, the King of Kings, the Son of God. The Bible says if they crucified the Lord of glory, what makes you think that you're going to get out of this world without some trouble? What we are hoping, and what God is hoping, is that we are not causing ourselves trouble. That's our hope. Our hope is that we come to Christ and we submit to Him and we learn to walk in His way so that the trouble we might have in the future would be trouble that came to us from some other avenue and not trouble that we cause ourselves. Not trouble that we embrace or manufacture. Not trouble that, 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 that we produce. That's God's hope. As I said, many men spend a lifetime denying just how vulnerable they are. Denying that, that they are empty and denying that they are you know, uh, you know, powerless to control their life. No one can save themselves. We are all at the, um, at the mercy of the eternal creator. Thankfully, <laughs> our eternal creator, thankfully he is God, a loving God, who sees the end from the beginning and who has made a way for us to live forever with him. The Christmas season also reminds us not just of the continuing Christmas story and, and what God may need from us as He may want to partner with us you know, every day in bringing Christ to a lost and a hurting world, just like He did with Mary, just like He did with Joseph, but it also reminds us of the season of the birth of Jesus. That's what we in Christianity in this Western world celebrate when we think of Christmas. We set aside a day. And we celebrate the birth of Christ, who was born in the town of Bethlehem. How that on that night, God sent angels to announce to shepherds who were abiding you know, their sheep. They were tending their sheep, their flocks of sheep, in the fields around Bethlehem. They were watching their flocks, and the angels appeared to them, and a multitude of heavenly hosts bringing good news, and, and, and they revealed the will of God for all mankind. I love, uh, I, I love this angelic declaration. 
giving us what God wants, telling us what God's hope is, telling us what God wants. And the angels and the multitude uh, declared that night, peace on earth, good will towards men. That's the will of God. It's God's will that we live in peace. And that's why he sent the Prince of Peace. And it's God's will that, to, to, to be good to us. And that's why he sent his son to bear our sins and, 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 and to exchange places with us so that Jesus could take our sins to the grave and we could be reconciled to God and that God could then smile upon us, reach out and reconcile us to himself. This world may be cruel and may be filled with empty promises, but God is good and his promises will last forever. We do not understand things that we face at times. Sunday we concluded, as I said, that we cannot afford to allow the things that we do not know to overshadow our trust in Jesus. To overshadow the one thing we do know, that we can trust God with our future. You know, that's, that's the only thing that Mary knew. I can trust God with my future. I don't have the answers. It seems impossible to go on from here. Joseph, it seems impossible to keep my reputation and to, to keep my sanity, my self-respect and my friends and my family and to go on from here. It seems impossible, but I'm going to trust God with my life. I'm going to trust God with my future. This world may be cruel and it may be filled with empty promises, but God is good and His promises will last forever. So many tonight in different ways are missing family members tonight families in Kentucky so many don't even know where their loved ones are while others do and it's just as painful We can ill afford to let the things that we do not understand overshadow the things that we do understand. And what do we understand? We do understand that God has a plan and we can trust our future. We can put our future into His hands every day and every moment. He is with us. About 1,450 years before Jesus was born, there was a prophet named Balaam. And Balaam was hired by the king of Moab to curse the Israelites. The Israelites were encamped in the plains of Midian, just across the Jordan River from Jericho. And the king of Moab, uh, he was not afraid of God. But he was afraid of the children of Israel in Moses. That's interesting. You can read about this in Numbers 22, 23, and 24. And so he convinced Balaam. He bribed Balaam. He, he offered this prophet Balaam money and wealth and position and power to come and curse these Israelites. And Balaam was not a good prophet. Balaam was a greedy prophet. He was uh, selfish and greedy uh, but still, Balaam was afraid of God. 
As I said, king of Moab named Balak was not afraid of God, but he was afraid of Moses and the children of Israel, partly because there were so many of them and partly because they had defeated every enemy that they had encountered the past 40 years. And, and Moab today in our world, Moab represents the world and the world system and, and this place that we have uh, come to and encamped in. And, 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 and you know, God has a future for us just across this Jordan River, has a great future for us in a promised land that right now we, we, know we, we cannot even imagine the wealth and the goodness of this land. But here we are in a proverbial wilderness. And Moab, the world system and its world leaders. I just read this week in Proverbs and part of my Bible reading how that for some reason the wicked and the evil hate the righteous and they seek his blood. I don't know why, but the world Jesus said, will hate you. The world says, uh, Jesus said that, you know, if the world had loved me, they would love you, but the world did not love me. They hated me first. And when they hate you, just realize they hate me. And it's not you they hate, but it's me they hate. And they hate Christ in us. That's the way the world is. It is just the way the world and this system is. And that's the way Moab was. Balaam was warned by an angel not to curse the children of Israel, but to speak only that which God told him. Balaam obeyed God, even though it enraged King Moab, the king of Moab, King Balak. Even though it enraged the king of Moab, nonetheless Balaam was more afraid of God than he was of the king. And so he obeyed God. Here are a few things that Balaam said in the three encounters that he had, the king of Moab continued to take Balaam to very high vantage points where he could look down on the children of Israel from three different locations and hoping that he could convince this prophet and bribe this prophet to curse Israel. But as I said, Balaam, was afraid of God. In Numbers 23 and verse 8, this is one of the things that Balaam said at the first place he came to, and he was asked to curse the Israelites, and he said, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? And how shall I denounce whom the Lord has not denounced? Let me tell you that without respect to what you are going through, without respect to what you may be facing, without respect to tragedy, trauma, and things we do not understand, you are not cursed by God. God is not out to get you. God is not mad at you. He's not taking some vengeful opportunity to punish you. That is not what God does with his children. This world may do its best to tear us down, to divide us and separate us, but it is not the will of God, and ultimately it will not work. There shall be peace on earth and goodwill towards man it may be the new heaven and the new earth but the peace that is here today should be the peace in our lives and the goodwill that God has for us in this wicked and evil place 
the next time that Balaam was asked to curse the Israelites. Listen to what he said in Numbers 23, beginning verse 19. He said, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Behold, he said, I have received a command to bless. God has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. God has blessed. He has blessed you. Does this mean that you will live on this earth in mortal, you know, immortality? No. <laughs> no. It does not mean you will not one day die. But then you'll never die. God has blessed you. And this world cannot reverse it. And the things that it may offer us and the things that it may deliver us serve us up. And the things that others may do to us or even threaten us with, yet we are blessed by Almighty God. We are blessed to have victory in our moments and to find victory over our moments. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken and shall he not make it good? Psalms 89, 30, 34 says, My covenant will I not break, nor will I alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Wow. God's promises are true forever. Look at the last time that Balaam spoke over the children of Israel. As he was taken to this high place, the first two times he sought the Lord, or there were altars built, and you know, this time the Holy Spirit just came upon Balaam as he was standing high above those plains in the mountains, looking down upon the host of the children of Israel. As he looked down upon them, you know what he saw? He saw three tribes, the three smallest tribes, on one side. They were camped in one side. He saw the three largest tribes camped in, in, in the other direction. He saw the six tribes that were almost equal in numbers camped on the other two sides. Three this side and three this side. And in the very middle he saw the tabernacle of Moses. And there was the Ark of the Covenant, the heart of God. What he looked down upon was a cross. He looked down and he saw something that God was going to do. And by the Holy Spirit, listen to what Balaam said. Numbers 24, verse 15. So he took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the utterance of a man whose eyes are opened. The utterance of him who hears. The words of God. And has the knowledge of the Most High. Who sees the vision of the Almighty. Who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him. Listen to what he said. 1,450 years before the birth of Christ. I see him. But not now. 
Not right now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of tumult. You know, many may not realize it, and some may vehemently deny it. But we are a creation in need. We are born to need, we live in need, and when we die, we have even greater need. And thank God that God had a plan to meet that need. What did Balaam see? Balaam saw that one day God would send a deliverer and that this world, Moab, and and the system of this world and all the enemies of Christ would one day fall down and be defeated and that this world system would no longer be able to deliver us misery and pain and worry and fear and frustration and punishment and that the tragedy and the trauma and the fears and the frustrations and the irritations and all of the divinations of the devil could no longer have any power over our lives. Even the greedy prophet Balaam saw Jesus as the only answer. And he realized that he would one day defeat this world. He realized that one day Jesus would destroy his enemies. This is a part of the continuing Christmas story. There are so many things that we do not know. There are so many things that we as yet cannot understand. However, there is one thing we do know and one thing we can understand, and that is we can trust God with our future. And that's what Balaam was declaring over the children of Israel, over the family of God. There he was declaring, you can trust God. God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man. He doesn't have to apologize for having misspoken. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. He has given commandment to bless. He has blessed and it cannot be reversed. You cannot be cursed because God will not curse you and he will not push you away from him. I see a star. I see him. Not right now, but I see him. And he will one day defeat this world and he will one day put an end to the enemies that are plaguing his people. The one common thread running through all the characters that we see in the Christmas story. Mary, the one common thread, well, Mary was asked, trust me with your future. Joseph was asked, trust me with your future. The shepherds around the town of Bethlehem were asked, trust me. Just go into the town, trust me. You're going to find there a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The Son of God, the Savior of the world, trust me. And Balaam was asked, trust me with your future. Not what the world can offer. Not the money that King Balak can give you, not the power, not the fame, not the temporary goods of this world. They cannot satisfy, but rather Balaam, 
trust me, selfish, greedy Balaam, who trust in riches, trust me with your future. King Balak said to Balaam, you fool, I could have made you rich. Perhaps, but only for a little while. Whereas God can make us rich forever. All God is asking us today is to trust Him and to partner with Him. Like Mary and Joseph. Like the shepherds who went out and told the story. Like Balaam. That's all God ever asked. Trust me, partner with me. You see, we must not allow the things we do not understand to overshadow the trust we have in Jesus. Do you trust Him? Do you trust Him with your future? Well, let me tell you what it takes. You need to be all in. All in. Not one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom you need to give it your best shot it is true and because it is true you don't want to miss your chance to be all in don't leave anything out trust him no doubt one day you will need it but also one day it will provide for you forever. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.